Well, I want to welcome you to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm one of the pastors at Calvary Church. I'm also one of the hosts of this podcast. And we're in the midst of a sermon series right now where we're tackling uh, the congregation's toughest questions um, with biblical wisdom. And the last couple of weeks, uh, we've received uh, over 100 questions. And uh, in some ways, it feels a little bit overwhelming, uh, the amount of questions we received, but also the type of questions we received. There's many questions that uh, you can tell um, are probably coming from a a place of personal experience. And uh, the question that we want to talk about today uh, perhaps is one of those questions. The question that we're going to address is how how do we... How do we share the gospel without sounding preachy? And I have, uh, joining me today, I have uh, Pastor Von Dornbusch, uh, who is our impact pastor and and really oversees our local and global outreach and has a real heart for evangelism. So, Von, it's good to have you on uh, the show today. And uh, also joined by our senior pastor, Sean Winters, who... uh, daringly went uh, about this sermon series and uh, was willing to wade into these deep waters, but it has done a great job with it so far. And um, it's been, it's been a great experience so far. And, uh, you know, it has been a team effort. We've had great panelists, but also just as staff kind of talking through how best to respond to these and then find other ways to answer some of these questions. So thank you. Well, thank you both for being on here today. Um, Vaughn, let's start with you. Maybe what we don't exactly know what this person who ever asked this question meant by preachy, but I think we probably have a good idea of what was meant. What do you think is meant by preachy? What are what do people mean when they're asking this question? Well, I, I, you know, in my experience with evangelism, it, some of it goes back to, um, you know, it used to be called cold turkey evangelism, where you're, you know, a guy standing on the corner preaching the gospel, but there's just no connection with anyone. Um, for me, when I was in college, we had a book table every week within our varsity. We had free books to give away, and we had conversations with students, but it never went very deep. It wasn't relational. Uh, and that's I, I think that would sound preachy in a way because it was just, you know, that cold turkey. And then when we were in seminary, I had Robert Coleman as a professor, Master Plan of Evangelism, yep. and he sent us out every week to the shopping mall to make cold turkey contacts and write down what we experienced. And again, there was just no relational connection. So for me, I I think the changing point for me was reading uh, the book Out of the Salt Shaker Into the World by Rebecca Manley Pippert. That that put uh, put in perspective for me what it was like to have a process of evangelism, the pre-evangelism process, you know, and then the relational piece was really uh, became real to me. And because otherwise I kept fighting against what these other models were. Where it just, there was no connection, it was just, and maybe we did plant some seeds through those experiences, but it wasn't what I thought evangelism should really be. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, what's been your experience uh, with evangelism in the past as well? I mean, do you resonate with what Vaughn's saying here with regard to some of these these strategies of the past? Yeah, I think probably some of the transition I've seen is is just the um, the the post Christian culture that we find ourselves in. Um, you know, when I was in similar experiences as Vaughn sharing faith, there would be primarily the people I'd come across would have some sort of church background. And so the EE, the evangelism explosion effort was to find some commonality of where, where your church landed. And then what did your church describe as uh, the salvation experience? And then, then you'd move into a personal conversation today. Um, you, you're not as likely to find that connection or that background. And so the challenge of this question, I think, is how do we come to someone with some sense of a salvation message 
or a need to resolve the sin problem when they might respond, say, from what and what sin? Hmm. And so, you know, it can sound preachy to come, hey, you've got a huge problem and I've got the answer. (laughs) Um, And yet we still want to share the gospel. So how do we do gospel ministry without sounding preachy is a really good question. Uh, where, where, where could we go maybe in the New Testament to gain some wisdom on how to answer this question? And then I think out of that, you know, what are some practical strategies we can take into um, our own lives and in, in, in terms of doing evangelism with our neighbors and our friends? Maybe, Vaughn, let's start with you. Is there a passage that comes to mind? I really like the passage from John chapter 4, the story of the Samaritan woman. And Jesus spends a lot of time with her, getting to know her, you know, speaking with her, uh, learning a lot about her, and and sharing things with her that he shouldn't have even known. I mean, that was a very interesting piece of his conversation. And in um, John 4, 29, it says, she says to all her friends and neighbors, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And so there was this relational connection that Jesus established with her right away. And in the end, in John 4, 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed because of the woman's testimony. So the transformation of her life, the change that they saw in her and what Jesus had done for her was was one of the tipping points in terms of her uh, being an effective evangelist. And, yeah, and I love that story, Vaughn. Like, and and it's a conversation Jesus had across the uh, cultural boundary Absolutely. that wasn't normally done. And he spoke to a woman to, and a Samaritan. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And, and what a great example of saying, um, you know, sometimes we got to move into spaces that aren't comfortable for us. Mm-hmm. And and yet he must have come in a winsome way where she didn't run away. You know, she stayed and listened. And I might even add too. Uh, not only comfortable, uh, uncomfortable spaces for us, but even spaces that those within the church around us might perceive as, why are you going yeah. there? And that's a good challenge, I think, for us. Cause, right. The disciples came back and said, what are you doing? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is this? Well, what, what is this all about? Um, what are some of those spaces that you feel like we uh, might be challenged to, to be in today in terms of what, you know, how it might be perceived from the church? Uh, around us, you know, are there some maybe contemporary examples? Well, one biblical example would be Paul at Mars Hill. He was willing to have conversations about other issues, you know, that might be related to faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to do that, to say, okay, I'm willing to talk to you about ethics or talk to you about um, other belief systems, philosophy, mm-hmm. and then you you build a case and then you work your way to faith. And I think that's what Paul did there. Yeah. And I think C.S. Lewis talked about that a lot in his pre-evangelism kind of strategies. So, Yeah, I'd like to think about that. I mean, I can think of a lot of what we would call kind of non-Christian settings. It's important for people to go there and be there and share faith. But I also want to just kind of pause and and think about how as believers, and when we start talking about evangelism um, or sharing the gospel, that, that oftentimes we don't, it doesn't seem to count unless we're, walking through the Bible or we're actually sharing the gospel or, you know, the, the conversation is all about Jesus. And, and a lot of the bridge building, a lot of relationship building, time and energy is going to be about gardening or sports or Absolutely. kids. Or, Absolutely. And, and that, that that counts. Yeah. And that it might take a long time to build up enough relational trust uh, like a, to, to build a strong enough bridge to carry the weight of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And 
and, and, and we sometimes feel like, hey, you're wasting your time. And, and I want to push back and say, no, I don't think that's a wasting time. I think that's investing really wisely. Well, and that really speaks to the heart of this question, too, because if you've, if you've built that relational trust, if you have that uh, relational capital, uh, I, the likelihood of it coming across as preachy is going to probably greatly diminish, is yeah. my guess. And then once you have that relational capital, but you look for easy invites, what are things you can invite them to? Yeah. That may be something that wouldn't be too scary. And that would allow them just to start seeing the truth of the gospel. And hopefully they'll, they'll see it in your life. Yeah. I mean, when I became a Christian, I saw it in the lives of the people around me. That, that they had something I wanted and didn't have. Yeah. You know, that's a big piece of it, too. And the Holy Spirit, that's the key thing we forget about. We put all this weight on our own shoulders. Yeah. Our responsibility is to build friendships and invite yeah. and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Because God's going to do the work in someone's heart, not us. Yeah. And that's, that's a really key point. You know, you think of in the Muslim world today, how are people coming to faith? It's not through anything that we're doing other than prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming to faith because they have dreams about a man in white appearing to them. Yeah. And they find out that's Jesus and they come to faith. Um, recently, I talked to one of our, our impact partners and they said uh, in France, there was a Muslim school teacher. And as she was teaching, Bible verses were appearing on the floor, the marble floor of her classroom. Wow. And John 3.16 was one of those. And eventually she went to someone she knew who knew the Bible and said, what does all this, what is all, what does this all mean? And he explained it to her and she came to faith. Wow. wow. I mean, that's, that's, so that's, that's like... is the Holy Spirit reaching people. And, that, and we shouldn't be surprised. That's what, uh, that's what Jesus did to reach Paul. The apostle mm-hmm. Paul was reached in the same way, really. Well, you think, mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds just like, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he's yeah. reading Isaiah and that's, what that's does this all mean? That's a good example. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean, what are some uh, what is a passage that uh, you're drawn to when it comes to evangelism? Yeah, I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 9, uh, beginning in verse 19, where Paul wrote this. He says, Though I'm free, I belong to no one. I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those who are under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. And then he adds, though I am not, fr- I, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. Then verse 22 is awesome. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I had become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. And in Reading Paul, um, the weak he often refers to those who are still stuck in legalism, right? Like, like they're religious on the outside, but their hearts are cold. And so he's saying, "Man, I want to come alongside of people." And I think there's a there's a sense where he isn't putting on a play. I think he's trying to be authentic, like in the ways that I am still caught up in legalism. Man, I I want to try to connect with people who are legalists there, and for those who uh, you know, tend to be more free. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like say, hey, how excited I am about my freedom. But he, there's an authenticity, there's a shared experience. But I think he, when he makes that connection, then he wants to land on. Um, hey, here's our, our common angst, our common gap, our common pain, and what I have found is a Jesus solution. And and I have found in my life that as I've talked with people who are not yet followers of Jesus. If I can somehow connect and connect around maybe a similar angst or fear or struggle, um, and then in some way write 
you know, land on here's my Jesus solution, you know, um, in conflict. I've experienced conflict. You've experienced conflict. We all have kind of marriage conflict. So here's how I have found the difference Jesus made in my life. I was talking to a neighbor and we were talking about, this was before my father passed away. And I said, my dad is not doing well. And, you know, just walked, you know, shared that story. He had shared a really tough death in his life. And I shared part of my Jesus solution is that, you know, the Bible says, and my dad believes that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And my friend was like, I do not get that. I don't understand what you're saying. That sounds crazy to me. How can that be true? And so we had a great conversation now. My dad, who's near death, could have an attitude that to die is gain. So it's kind of a common problem, common angst, but a Jesus solution that peaked, uh, that, that brought on a really good conversation. I, I, you know, I feel like maybe the, the bad reputation of evangelism in the past has been that it's, it's been akin to like a, a salesperson trying to close a deal and no, no offense to any sales, sales uh, people, people yeah. who are who do listening, well. <laughs> who do a good job at their job. But it, I, I don't think it's right to think about evangelism as, as closing a deal or being a salesperson. Um, it was something that you said earlier, Vaughn, like it's not, like ultimately it's the Holy Spirit's role who seals the deal, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better phrase. And, and I mean, we're called to be faithful to, to be witnesses. And, and Sean, yeah. like what you're just saying, like oftentimes it comes in the midst of tragedy and pain and heartache and seeing that as an opportunity to share yeah. the hope that we have in Christ and, and to be seed planters and trusting that others are going to come along and water and we pray for the Holy Spirit to cause the growth. And I just, yeah, I, I love, Vaughn, what you shared about that friendship and connection. And I think so often, you know, when we have this sales kind of attitude, there's this, you know, this anxious wonder if I'm going to be able to close the deal. <laughs> but when we're a friend, then then we relate with questions and conversation. And, and there's a non-anxious presence, hmm. you know. In a spiritual conversation, there's always kind of a ratchet up of, you know, we're talking about eternal things. This is really, really important. Yeah. But if I can be in that space in a non-anxious way, like I don't, I'm not responsible for your response. I, yeah. I can't, I can't make you make a decision, but I can just be authentic with my own heart. Yeah. And my Jesus story. Yeah. Because no one can argue with your story either. Right. And I'm just going to point to the truth that has made a difference. And I'm not worried about proving my why the Bible is trustworthy in that moment, although those conversations come up. <laughs> yeah, it's just my story, my experience, and I find ways to connect. The other piece I think is important is to be willing to expand our circle of influence. You know, it's easy to kind of just say, "Well, I have my friends." And I even have a few friends that maybe are non-believers, but Ramsey County is the most diverse county in Minnesota. That's where our two campuses are. And so there's really a challenge before us. You know, the mission fields come to us. How willing are we to be risk, courageous risk takers and build some new connections with some of the people around us that are different cultures and different races? I mean, I think that's a challenge that we need to take seriously. Um, and it means, it means stepping out of our comfort zones. Yeah. And it'd be entering into a, a different experience. And that, that's you may not have as much common there, but boy, to listen and to give give value to their story um, is super important, and it also builds a lot of trust. Yeah, and a lot of the people that are coming to the Minnesota right now, they just need friends. Yeah, they're looking for that. So, 
So maybe uh, you know, as I as I think about this, I I am I'm a logical thinker. I like my bullet go. points. Yeah, you do a good so job with that. My, uh, my so it seems like the first thing we're talking about here is is build a friendship, build a relationship, uh, ask questions, and and genuine questions with about their story, and 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 then see opportunities to be able to share your story as well of how Jesus has made a difference in your own life. Are there other uh, well, Juan, do you feel like that captures what we've said so far well? Are there other bullets you would add to the list for those that are more? I would add just look for easy invites. You okay. know, for me, maybe say, let's let's sit down and watch the first alpha video. Is there more to life than this? That video is so powerful mm-hmm. and it brings so much discussion. Um, you know, Or use one of the episodes of The Chosen. There's so many things out there now that you can grab onto and say, let's just watch this together and talk, especially if they're willing to have spiritual conversations. So... Yeah, and I would say that um, it kind of have a, a long-range view. Um, you know, it's just, just I, I want to build a relationship that can can last. I, it, you want to move past the place where you're feeling <laughs> and you hope that they don't sense it, that this is a project. Mm-hmm. We, we don't even want relationships that are projects. We don't want to be a part of one of those. We don't want to create those with other people. Yeah. But just say, how do I enter into this with my neighborhood with my coworkers, with someone at school and just say, you know what, I'm planting seeds is just, you know, a little bit at a time and watering seeds is a little bit of time. God's going to bring the increase in due time. And my job is to be faithful and, and just kind of to have that long term, which is a trust position, right? We're relying on God, um, but I'm still trying to live missionally. There's another piece to this, too. The people that are, are out there in our families and friends that have fallen away from the Lord, mm-hmm. that have turned their back on God and gone a different direction. I still think we need to invest in some of those friendships and family things, too. It's, it may be harder to do that, but um, to be Jesus to them, yeah. you know, and then just pray that God will get a hold of them again. I think that's another piece to this we didn't talk yeah. about yet. Let, let me just add one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, I, I want to talk more to God about the person than the person about God. And, and, you know, I just, I just love that. Like, man, that's a, that's a prayer motivator in my heart. So spend more time on your knees while you're walking, praying to God for those people. And then as you have opportunity, you know, continue to, to just share um, a little bit of that Jesus story, a little bit of the God thing and, and yeah, pray for their restoration of, Authentic faith. Yeah, prayer is a good final point. Yeah, that's <laughs> really. a great. <laughs> you know, there's a. Um, I think these are all great points. The, the it seems like the type of relationship we're talking about is it would be one where the person's willing to have that conversation, willing to listen, and uh, it, maybe you know it could be considered more of a friendly conversation. What do we do with those who? You know, might be more belligerent, or you can tell they don't want to have any conversation about spiritual things. I mean, is there a good place to begin with with uh, that kind of personality? I think Tucker, you should talk about the neighbor that you invited to Alpha because that was someone that was had that kind of resistance of personality, but God still. I share that it's a good story, and we don't know where he's at, but it was interesting. Yeah, a couple of years ago, we we did Alpha here at Calvary, and. invited my neighbor across the fence and it actually started uh, the conversation started Sean similar to what you were saying he was going through some kind of challenging life life issue and um, we started talking about spiritual things and I started asking him questions about what does he believe and 
uh, he's going into things that I had no idea, you know, what he's talking about, like astral projection and traveling in the universe and uh, things that are outside of my, what I'm familiar with. But I was able to invite him to Alpha and uh, he ended up coming and he, he came to almost every session. He, he I think. heard the truth and that's an important piece, I think. Yeah. And I wish, so. uh, you know, we both moved and kind of went our separate ways and um, I don't know where he's at now, but I have to trust that a seed or seeds were planted and hopefully someone else will come uh, along and plant another seed and see that watered. Um, I, I, I do have uh, an experience with this. A couple of times I've been invited into um, to do funerals for someone in the community. And I remember one particular one where I was asked to come in and it had been a, there had been a, a painful breakup in the marriage relationship. And then the husband died of a heart attack, kind of surprisingly. So there's all sorts of family pain and all sorts of issues in the dynamics. And, and, and someone said, Hey, our pastor maybe could come help with a service. And I walked in and the bereaved wife was like, we don't need a message. We just need an MC. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, so you know, she was really like, I don't want you to say anything. I don't want, I think I, she, she was afraid I was going to say he was a nice guy and a wonderful man and all this. Um, and, and she, but she didn't want any God. She didn't want any Bible. She didn't want any preaching. And so I was just trying to help organize a, a funeral service. And I said, you know, before I leave, would it be all right if I just read a passage just for you that has been really meaningful to me? Um, and and I, I don't know if it can encourage you just for you and your daughter. And I read Isaiah 41, 11 and 13, how do not fear, do not be dismayed for your God. You know, he reaches out with his righteous right hand, verse 13, that he grabs hold of your right hand and says, do not fear, do not be afraid. And I didn't read it quite that fast, but um, I just read through those and I said, would it be all right if I just said a quick prayer? And so I, I, she said, yeah, and I prayed. And then I got done and it was kind of like we were wrapping up and she said, just a minute. She goes, you know, you could read that verse at the service. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it was just this really cool, like she had to find out in a really awkward spot if she could trust me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I walk into some of these spaces in these funerals and, and you have a chance to speak to people you wouldn't normally speak to. And oftentimes... Their, their hostility towards the gospel is complicated by the grief that they're experiencing. And it's a, it's a big challenge to say, how do I build a bridge? And so, so I, I, would, I would just kind of say, you know, this question is really significant. And it seems to come from the perspective of a person who you're talking to experiences you as preachy. But I would really love to challenge all believers that... If you're being preachy, it actually bothers you first. Like it should bother us. It should bother me if I'm coming off preachy. I, you know, that I should be uh, aware enough of my my response and how they're perceiving me <laughs> that that I'm I'm speaking at the level of our relationship and the level of our friendship and the level of trust. And preachy just shouldn't work. Well, just. Your story reminded me of uh, the planting seeds uh, when I was in college. And this, this is about relationships, too, for me. Um, I was a junior. My, the roommate that was living in the house, we were renting a house from a Jewish landlady in Duluth at the University of Minnesota. And I remember you know, he, had, he had an interest in faith. And so I said to him one day, if you'll teach me the guitar, 
like one week, then I'll like one Saturday morning, and then I'll, the next Saturday I'll do a Bible study with you. And we did that the whole year. Mm. He graduated, left. I never saw him again. And this is years later after I was I'd gone to seminary, I was married. Martha and I were living in Florida. I got a letter from him. Huh. And he said, um, I've become a Christian. My wife and I are living in Michigan. We're wow. part of a church. And he, said, and he said to me in this letter, you were one of the first, I don't know if use the word chain, but a word like you were <laughs> one of the first connections to God. Mm. And there were many others that came after you. Mm that helped lead me to faith. And so I think that's another piece like with your... So he's saying, he's almost outlining that Corinthians passage. In a way he did. Yeah. And it no, reminds me good. of your neighbor. I mean, you were one of the first pieces, uh, the first connections, but there'll be many others. And God's God's in charge of this, not us. So, Yeah, I um, that's really good. That's, it's an encouraging reminder too that we don't have to be, we don't have to be at the end of that line. I mean, and regardless of where you are at in that line, in terms of people that are inter- having interactions, you're and a key it's pretty part. Certain we don't know where we are. We have no. Yeah, we don't know where we are. <laughs> yeah. and that's uh, okay. That's and that's okay. Um, you know, and as, as I think, I think the theme of trust is important as well. I mean, we see so many negative examples of celebrity pastors, you know, falling into moral failure, and and I have to imagine that does something to. Uh, people's perception of Christianity. And, and I think to be able to build that relationship and to establish trust with that other person goes a long way. And maybe helping reframe their understanding of not all Christians are are like what you see in, in media and in, in those negative depictions. Any other final thoughts? This has been... Uh, this has been a good conversation today and encouraging to me as well. Do either of you have final thoughts on what, how you would counsel somebody to share the gospel or, or to do so in a winsome way? Yeah, I would, I would say that any way that we can um, connect with the person who we're anticipating a conversation with and see some of the challenges to the gospel that they may experience and then find ways in our life we experience that too. Um. The gospel is is uh, countercultural, and and it is a it's a life of surrender, and I think that's a lifetime pursuit for all of us. How do we live counterculturally in a life of surrender? So that's a good connection point. Yeah, my final advice would be listen to the Holy Spirit because there'll be times that you'll just be going through your life, and the Holy Spirit will say to you, "You need to talk with that person," and you don't know why. This has happened to me before, and you just need to take a step of faith and do it and trust that the Holy Spirit is leading you. So be, op- be open to hearing his voice. Yep. Well, thank you both for your time. I appreciate it. And, and uh, thank you for listening. If you have any more questions uh, that you would like us to address on future episodes, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can uh, drop us an email. You can find our contact at calvarychurch.us. Uh, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. We have two services at 9 and 1030 at both our Roseville and White Bear campuses. Uh, but we, uh, we appreciate your time today, and we look forward to having you join us again next time. <laughs>